Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God some praise for the word on today. Hallelujah. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Y'all know I love, 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 love to start off in a praise. Come on, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Hallelujah. So, God, we just welcome you into this place on this morning. Hallelujah. Glory, God. Hallelujah. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Come on, as Pastor Trina would always say, somebody Shabbat the Lord with me. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. We might not have given him what was due on last week, but we're going to give him what is due on today. Hallelujah. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Glory, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, I just want to just say real quickly before I get started, I thank God for each and every one of you, for our apostle, our overseer, our pastor, all the um, ministers and elders, as, um, as Pastor Katrina said, our deacons, thank God for each and every one of you. Listen, <clears throat> this has been a press, <laughs> to say the least. So I'm going to give y'all what God has given me. I pray that this word be a blessing to you guys. So if you grab your Bibles, for those of you that are calling in, we're going to go to the book of Luke 19. And for those of you that are logging in on Zoom, you'll be able to see it on your screen. We're coming from Luke 19 and we'll be reading um, verses two through nine. And as you can see, the topic for today is the truth comes out. We're coming from Luke chapter 19, verse two through nine, and it reads, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came into the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must abide at thy house. Verse number six. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from the man by false accusation, I, I restore him fourfold. Last verse. And Jesus said unto him, this is the day salvation come to this house for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. Amen. Amen. So we've all heard of this particular um, passage before. It's nothing new. Um, I remember doing it before a couple of years ago, but God gave me a different outlook on these particular scriptures. And it says, so the, just to give you a little bit of background. So Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem and he had to pass through Jericho to get to Jerusalem. So he had just finished giving in a parable about the rich man and the kingdom of God. And you can find that in um, Luke 18. And then, you know, he also spoke of, you know, his death and then, um, he healed the blind man on his way to Jericho because that was during a time where Jesus was just just healing and he was just doing stuff like he was just 
honey. He was working it, honey. He was working it, honey. He was working it. And so here we pick up and it says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. <clears throat> it says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. And what we know about Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a chief collector, um, tax collector. And the tax collectors, they didn't like them. They wasn't popular. They wasn't popular at all. Like at any given time, they was not popular because what they would do is the, the Roman government, they would set the taxes, but what the collectors would do is they would add an increase to it and they will pocket the difference. And there was, there was not a system that was in place to say, hey, you overtaxed them. That, was, that, that didn't exist like it do now. So you didn't get no refund. There was no refund. You just, whatever they told you, you owed is what you owe. And we already know, like, and, it, and, it, and it's so funny because now this is tax season. <laughs> so now it's time to file taxes. And so, you know, for some of us, it's a dreadful thing. But, but then for some of us, it's a blessing. But either way, God is still going to get the glory out of wh whichever way it goes. Amen. And so we know that he was um, he was one of the chief collectors of taxes. And so the people didn't like him as well. Neither did his um, fellow uh, citizens because he was one of those chief publicans that was um, levying the taxes, which means that they was adding on to the taxes and pocketing the rest. And he was wealthy, like he was rich, like he had money because during that time, Jericho was very prosperous. So Jericho was a trading place. And so they had, uh, there was uh, always, it's kind of like um, the port of Miami because I'm gonna just use that one because that's you know one of the busiest ports um, that I can think of. Um, and it go, you know, it's, it's just constantly just people just coming and going, coming and going, shipment, moving stuff, going, flying, uh, pick up semi trucks and boats and all kinds of stuff. So Jericho was kind of like that place. It was a prosperous place. So, you know, when you have a prosperous place, that means you what you have more money, which means that you can say, hey, you owe me this when you really don't owe me as much as I'm about to tell you, but I'm going to pocket the difference for my own sake. And for some of us, we have pocketed some stuff that wasn't for us to pocket. We done took some stuff that wasn't for us to take. We done filed some incorrect filing taxes. Amen. I'm going to raise my hand because I done done it before. <laughs> we done filed some incorrect taxes to pocket what we could get. And then so when the IRS come, and they do their audit. Now you got to produce all these paperwork. You got to produce all these documents and now you don't have it. So now you got to pay back what you owe. Amen. And what I wanted to touch on because it says, and he was rich and I was looking at, I was like, okay, I hear people say they want to be rich and I hear people say they want to be wealthy. We finna get a clarification on that. Okay, so a wealthy person is someone who is wealthy, has a large amount of money, property, and valuable possessions. 
So that is what a wealthy person is. But to be considered wealthy, according to um, the US in 2021, you need to have a net worth of nearly $2 million. And this would mean the value of the property you own minus everything you owe that would need to add up to almost 2 million. So for those of us that say that we want to be wealthy and those of us that say we want to be rich, we need nearly $2 million to hit that mark. But that's in the, but that is in the natural. See, but we can fail, we sometimes fail to realize that you can be wealthy in the spirit. And when I when I say that, and what I mean was you can be wealthy in wisdom. You can be wealthy in love. You can be wealthy in peace. See, that type of stuff goes way beyond the $2 million. The $2 million, yes, it can do some stuff, but when you are wealthy in love, people feel that. It impacts people. It changes people's lives. People know that you are genuine. People know that you are sincere. When you are wealthy in love and when you're wealthy in grace, you're wealthy in peace, you're wealthy in faith, you're wealthy in your sound mind. Amen. <clears throat> and let me, and I found some characteristics um, between rich and wealthy. So for those of us that's been on the line and say, yeah, I want to be rich. Hold on, you might want to retract that comment because this is why you might want to retract it. And it says, often lives in debt. We do earn a lot. You do earn a lot of money, but you live a flashy lifestyle. While you live in that flashy lifestyle, you do not save any money. You spend a lot of money. You buy depreciating assets. You spend to impress others and not prepare for long term. So when you say that you want to be rich, you just want money for a short period of time to show people that you have money. But when you are wealthy, the wealthy attributes of a wealthy person is builds long-term wealth, buys appreciating assets, typically does not have debt, lives below their means, live an understated life. That means that they don't live in no big old flashy house and all this other kind of stuff. Earns less than the rich. Spends not to impress others. So when they buy stuff, they not buy no flashy car to show, oh yeah, you know, I'm finna buy this Rolls Royce and not, they don't, that's not what that is. <clears throat> and saves and invests a percentage of their income. So now, do you wanna be rich or do you wanna be wealthy? because there's a difference with rich and wealthy. Wealthy is long-term, rich is short-term. So if anybody needed clarification on that and wanted to know what was the difference, that's the difference. It's the way you spend your money and how you spend your money. And see, I don't wanna be rich. I just wanna be wealthy. Because even being wealthy, you have a sustainable income that is continually coming in. And it's not like you going out and you going to buy something frivolous just because you want it and you got the money to do it. No, that's not what a wealthy person does. A wealthy person makes decisive decisions when it comes to spending their money. And see, it, even for us, 
we have to be decisive about where we're spending our money. And I'm going to speak on me. I ain't going to speak on nobody else on this call, but I'm going to speak for me. See, since I've been out of work um, for the past six, seven weeks, um, I've actually been cooking more because I enjoy my food more. So as I told my husband, <laughs> the Lord has anointed my cooking because every time, and this is how, <laughs> this is how I know God has anointed my cooking because when I do go out to eat, my order is always messed up. And for example, I went to Cobra's one night. We had just finished cleaning the house. That was the only thing that was open that was close by. It was on our way home. So we just wanted to hurry up and get something to eat so we can get home. And I ordered a fish sandwich and I had one piece of bread. Like, I'm like, I'm pretty sure when you fix a sandwich, it requires two, but they only gave me one. So I was like, yeah. So like me going out to eat, my food is never right. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to start cooking my own food because I can eat as much as I want. I don't have to pay for seconds. And it's going to be hot and it's going to be to my liking. So that right there actually puts money back into my house. So then that way I'm not spending $30, $40 on a fast food restaurant when I can take that same $30, $40 and I can put it in groceries and we can eat it more than one time. We can eat it more than one serving. Amen. So for that, that's that's to help those that want to be rich and wealthy. So that will be the difference. So you know the difference between whether you want to be rich and that's for a short term or you want to be wealthy and that's for a long term. But you have to make decisive decisions when it comes to spending. Amen. And verse number three reads and it says, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And as I was doing my research and I was looking <clears throat> and it said, I found that they estimated his height to be about 14. So he was a dwarf. He was a short person. So he was Minister Darlene. It's okay. Cause he was shorter than you. So don't, don't, you know, so it was some, it was some short people back then. So it was, it's okay for, I'm not that tall, but I ain't that, I ain't as short as he was, but, and it says, and what he did was, it says he sought to see Jesus. So he made a conscious decision. He made an effort to go see who Jesus was. He put forth effort. He put something into it. And what we have to do, we have to make an effort. Nothing's going uh, to come to you. You sitting there. The Bible says faith without works is dead being alone. You don't put in the work, you're not going to get no results. There, you, you have to do stuff. You have to do something to get something. And you sitting there on your couch looking at the wall is not going to do it. He put forth a conscious, he made a conscious decision to put forth effort to go and see who Jesus was. And, and when you put forth, when you put forth the effort, Jesus is going to meet you. Like you not just finna just, okay, God, I'm just seeking you, seeking you, seeking you and God not do that. And he just sitting there. It's like when you have, when you have a child and the child say, mama, 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 mama. And you just sitting there and you ain't saying nothing. And you just, just sitting there, mama. 
he at some point in time it's like okay you're gonna have to say acknowledge like say yes how can it help you like there's gonna be an acknowledgement god is gonna acknowledge you for your efforts so that means seeking god with your whole heart doing everything that he wants you to do and he would have you to do so if we know that god is calling us into worship get into worship if god is calling you to praise him give god a praise if he's calling you to prayer pray if he's calling you to encourage somebody encourage somebody if he's calling you to get in your word get in your word because that right there us being obedient and showing god that we willing that means that god is going to meet us That means that he is going to meet us. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> In verse number four. And he ran before and climbed unto the sycamore tree to see him for he was to pass that way. And I was like, okay, let me look up. He climbed into a sycamore tree and a sycamore tree hike height can be as tall as six and six point six feet so over six and a half feet and it can hold on i apologize so no i apologize it can be as tall as 130 feet so that's that's pretty tall and the tree trunk can be as wide as six and a half feet and so with a sycamore tree a sycamore tree, um, it averages to live anywhere between four to 600 years. It does bear fruit. The fruit grows on clusters attached to the bark and the fruit has a very sweet aroma. It tastes different from among the figs because it's a type of fig, but it's not the fig, um, a normal fig. Um, it has, it's a little sweeter and it's very, um, aromic so it has a very very sweet sweet smell to it and its fruit appears as brownish woodish ball that ripens in the month of october so and i was like because i've and i've seen a, a sycamore tree but i didn't realize it was sycamore tree and i remember when i was reading this when i was reading up on the sycamore tree i've seen those um seeds and those fruits on the ground where they've been ran over before and it's like what is that that is the fruit of the sycamore tree. So if you ever see it, then you know what it is. But what I wanted to point out that a sycamore tree, it represents protection. It represents strength. It provided protection. So it provided protection for Zacchaeus who could not see for the press of the people. And because he was little of statue, there was a chance that he could have got knocked over. He could have got walked over. It could have been a stampede. And if you know, if there's a large number of people and we've seen it before, I've heard about it before where somebody, it was a stampede of people and somebody fell and they got trampled on and that caused them to die. And so for him, because he was so short, he was shorter than the average person, he had to get into this tree. And, but my question to you today is, what fruit are we reproducing? See, we've been told about what we say 
and what we're speaking. And that was in New Year's service. We've been warned about our mouth. We've been informed that we need to be careful of what we say. And so what, um, just last week, um, we was talking with our daughter. We was like, she was like, I don't like this and this and this. And I mean, just so much negative stuff. I told her, I said, I stopped her. I said, listen, I said, you're going to stop talking so much negative stuff. I said, what we're going to work on with you is you're going to be speaking positive stuff. All that negative stuff that, that done came and done filtered in and that done been poured in, you done heard and you done seen and you, no, that, uh, we're not doing that. No. You, you know, when using um, school, the teacher would always say, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. That's, that's where we at right now. We got to be careful of the things that we are speaking because the Bible says death and life is in the power of the tongue and they that shall, they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So what you speak is what you going to eat. What you speak is going to come back. If you say that, you know, my diabetes, my diabetes, you ain't going to never be healed from diabetes because you claim it as yours. You keep saying, my, 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 my. Yes, it's yours, 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 yours. And you're not going to be healed from it because you keep claiming it. We got to quit claiming stuff what God didn't give us. We want to we put our name, you know, our name on everything. No, quit putting your name on my diabetes. No, no, that's not my diabetes. That's what the doctor said. But what I'm believing God for, I'm believing God for a healing. <clears throat> and also, and even with the sycamore tree, and, it's, and it, it does get disease and damaged portions of the tree, and it has to be trimmed throughout the year. And, and even as I was reading that part about um, being trimmed and pruned and all that kind of stuff, and it's the same way with our spirits. Our spirits have to be trimmed. We have to be pruned because we have to kill away those dead things. We have to kill away those negative things. We have to kill away doubt. We have to kill away fear. We have to kill all those things. <laughs> <clears throat> and with a sycamore tree it it um prefers nutrient rich soil conditions which proper with proper uh, drainage for its growth so to get proper growth for our spirit we need to be in the word there's 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 no room for the word which is the nutrient that we need to grow so if you have bad soil and you just letting it sit and you just packing it down packing it down packing it down over time it's going to become so compact that it's going to require surgery it's just like for those of you um that have it's almost like you're being constipated after so much you start to feel it your stomach start to hurt. You start to get bloated. You just don't feel good. And then next thing you know, you taking medicine. The medicine ain't working because you didn't take it when you when it was starting. So now they got to go in and they got to physically remove it. And it'll be the same way in the spirit. God wants us to be able to 
have proper drainage, which is coming before him and laying all that stuff before him, laying that stuff at his feet, purging ourselves, confessing, giving all that, all that to God, cleansing our spirit out, getting that stuff out. Amen. We can't, we can't keep that stuff bottled on the inside. Because when you do that, there's no room for God to be able to come in. There's no room for the word. He can't come in if it's already full. You can't give a glass of water that's full and add more. What it's going to do It's going to overflow. It, the container that it was meant to hold, it's, it's too much for it to hold. It may burst. It may rupture. So that's why we have to make sure that even even um during this time right here we got to make sure that we have the proper drainage and we are getting the nutrients that we need for the things that god is about to do on this year <clears throat> amen and verse number five reads and when jesus came to the place he looked up and saw him and said to zacchaeus make haste and come down for today i must abide in my house See, Zacchaeus, as I said, was not a tall man, and he had to climb a tree to see Jesus. But the thing is, he already knew who Jesus was. But he knew that Jesus was worth seeing. And we got to know that Jesus came, and he's calling us to come down out of that tree. And... <clears throat> And I was like, I was reading this, I was like, he came to this place and looked up and saw him and called. And he knew who Jesus was. It's just like when we was younger, you, you either went to church voluntary or you went involuntary. But either way, you went. But when you strayed away, but you came back, but you knew who Jesus was. We all had some um, encounter or some kind of contact with who Jesus is or who Jesus was to us. He has given us full access to the truth of who he is through his word. So we have access to him, to the truth through his word. So Zacchaeus made haste and he came down. He said, for today, I must abide in, in thy house. That means that Jesus coming to abide in our house, not our physical house, as in like where you're living and sleeping, but your temple, which is your body your heart he comes to dwell there he come to abide in that place but if that place is full if it's already taken up residence like i said before and one other time i had spoke he can't come in it's too many people there it's not enough room for him when he comes in he has to be the only resident living in that in that place he's the only one that has to be living in your heart we can't have him living in the guest bedroom when we got five other people in the master bedroom. And then we got somebody else over here in room number three. And then we got somebody else living out in the garage. No, that's not going to work. When he comes into the house, he needs the whole house by himself. He requires a whole house because what he does is when he comes in, he comes to fill. So he comes to fill the guest room, room number three. He comes to fill the garage and he comes to fill the master suite as well. It's too many people in the house and we got to do some eviction. We got to do some cleaning and we got to do some putting out. 
Cause we got, we got too many, we got too many people in the house and God can't come in until that house is clean. Amen. Amen. And verse number six reads, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. See, he received Jesus with great pleasure and happiness. And when joy, when Jesus come, we don't always receive him with great pleasure because he's interrupting something that we want to do. He's come, he's come to interrupt our day. And we don't, we don't like that. We didn't receive him with happiness because we was in the middle of eating. And while we was eating, he told us that, yeah, no, you need to fast. See, we don't, we don't want to, we don't want God, we don't want to receive him all the time unless in, he say, okay, go right here, check your bank account. You got a million dollars. Oh yeah, we'll receive him with gladness. Open arms, we'll be excited. We'll be kicking, hopping and jumping and screaming. But when he tells us something that, that we need that is gonna prune our spirit, that is gonna take away that bad, cut away that bad and that dead in those disease areas. Oh no, we don't want that part because that's, that's just part of who we are. But, do, but just because that's a part of who you are doesn't mean that you have to keep it. If something is diseased, it has to be cut away because if not, it's going to spread. It's just like um, if you are diabetic and then you, so when you start out, you got diabetes, you're not taking care of yourself. Okay. So then you're going to have neuropathy in your feet, which means you're going to have a tingling, the pins and the needle feeling in your feet. Then you still don't take care of yourself. Then somehow you cut your foot. Now that sore ain't healing. Okay. So now you're not really taking care of the sore like you're supposed to. You're not cleaning it. You're not taking care of it. You're not bandaging it up. You're not covering up. You're not going to put nothing on it. You're not keeping it clean. So now what happens? Gangrene set in. Okay. So you still just know it's just a little spot. It's going to go away. So now that thing done spread it. And what when it spreads and there's no more circulation, the next step is amputation. So again, it's still cutting away that dead tissue, that dead stuff, that disease stuff. And we have to cut, we still have to allow God to cut away some stuff at us, on us, in us, and through us. We still have to be cut. But it's not to harm us, it's to cause us to make us better. It's, it's not to say, well, oh, I'm always getting cut. I'm out. When you always feel like you're getting cut, that's a good thing. We have to look at it as a good thing because if you're not being cut at, that means that you have so much dead and disease areas that God's like, you know what? I don't even, that's, that's it. No, we have to look at being cut at as a good thing because that's pruning us and that's getting us ready and that's making us better. Better servants is making us better wives, better husbands, better siblings. It's making us better. It's not to harm us. It's not to cause us harm. Oh God, well, I feel like my heart is always getting broken in the church and all this. And okay, God is cutting away that stuff. You always feel like, okay, it's just always me, 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 me. Okay, well, you got to understand that that is God that is working on you. He is working on the inside. He is working on the inside. 
And it says, and he made haste and he came down and he received him joyfully. That is why he cut away at what he cuts away at because he wants to receive, he wants us to receive him joyfully. He wants us to be excited. Just like um, Pastor Trina was saying um, last week that when we first got saved, we was running at the, honey, we couldn't even, you couldn't catch us because honey, we was running so fast to go do things for the Lord. Now, honey, we look like the tortoise. We started out as the hare running, running, going, 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 doing, 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 doing. Honey, it went neck, neck and slow us down. Something came, knocked us off our game. Now we just like the tortoise. We gonna get there. No, we got to pick it back up because we got to receive him with joy. We can't be always so sad. And for those, let me, let me say this as well. For some of us, we feel like ministry is a burden. That is something that God wants to cut away. Why are you always asking me to do this? Why are you always asking me to do that? Why they can't get such and such to do it? Because God wants you to do it. If he wanted them to do it, he would have asked them. He would have directed them to say, hey, go tell such and such to do it. But because you was asked, it's for you to do. That person might have been praying, pastor might have been praying and say, hey, you know, God told her, hey, go, go tell such and such to do X, Y, and Z. But when she come to us and tell us to do it, we might say on the outside, because we're not going to always show it on the, in, on the outside, but we show on the outside, yeah, you know what, I do it on the inside. You're like, no, I ain't, I ain't about to do all that. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't no, no, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. I ain't, I ain't doing that. Yeah, you know, I'm excited to do ministry. Nah, I, I ain't doing that. No, we have to receive him with gladness and we have to receive him with joy. Amen. <clears throat> Verse number seven in it reads, and when they saw it, they murmured saying that he was going to be with the guest, going to be a, going to be guest with a man that is a sinner. <laughs> Lord Jesus, have mercy. The people, the people. So now the people is calling him out. The truth is coming out. He, the people calling him a sinner. But when Jesus came, he came to stay with Zacchaeus. He didn't come to say, hey, I'm going to the pastor house. I'm going to the mayor. You know, I'm going to the governor's mansion. He, no, he didn't say none of that. He, he, he said he coming to your house. He didn't say he was going to Pastor Trina's house and he didn't say he was going to First Lady house. He said he was coming to your house. That means that he's coming to your house. That means that he has something that he wants to do in you. But the people don't like when God is moving in your life. People don't like when God is blessing you, when God is causing you to flourish, when you are serving God. People always say, it don't take all that. Yes, it do. Yes, it does. It take all of that and some. Because I'm going to tell you why I take all of that. Because we are, we are um, backed up. We're behind. We're late. 
So now we got to do all that that we were supposed to do and then catch up to where we're supposed to be. So that's why it takes all of that. That's why it takes going out and encouraging the people and going out evangelizing and going out and spreading the word, spreading the gospel. That's why it takes all of that. His plans was to stay with the person that everybody murmured against. That was his plan. He had to stay with you. When, when God, when you confessed and you became a believer, that was the day that God stopped by and said, he's coming to abide in your house. And I remember the day when I actually got saved, like for real, for real. I ain't saying like going to church on Sunday and then whatever else on the other six days. No, I mean like saved for real, for real. Apostle them had came down here and they went to a church in Winter Haven. And I don't even know how I even knew about it, or how I came across it or however, but I ended up there, however the case may be. So God has a purpose for everything. There's no coincidence when God does something. And I never forget prophetess Kibra prayed for me I remember exactly what she had on she had on a black shirt and she had on a red and black striped skirt with some black heels on and she prayed for me and that was my encounter and that was God stopping by my house to let me know that he wanted to abide in my house see when you have an encounter with God you will remember all the details of how it was when God stopped by your house you remember, okay, God, you wanted to abide in my house. Okay, so I'm gonna let you abide in my house because you know what, what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do, what I think I'm doing, this ain't working. It's not working. It's, it's, not, it's not working. And one thing I wanted to point out was Zacchaeus' name meant pure or innocent. And as a tax collector, not doing the right thing and what he was supposed to do and what he know God would have been pleased with, he did not live up to his name. He allowed his career first and God second. He put his career before what he knew God was telling him to do. And we ourselves even have to be careful of what we put before God. And just a few Sundays ago, the ministers, you know, they preached and they was talking about your intentions. We have to make sure that when we are doing stuff that we have the right intentions, we have the right motives. We're not doing it to be seen. But we're doing this out of the genuineness and the heartfelt love that we have for the people and for the word of God. They call him a sinner. He was a sinner. Why? Because he was taking their money when he wasn't supposed to. He was pocketing what he wasn't supposed to pocket. But God came and God said, hey, I'm coming to abide in your house. Verse number eight reads, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from a man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. The truth came out. <laughs> he just blurted it out. God, if I did anything against these people, I am so sorry. I'm going to give them back what I took and I'm going to give them four times more than what I took from them. Because he already knew he took the people money. 
But there was a blessing in all of that. The people called him a sinner because they was taking his money. But what they didn't know was when God came, when the truth came, when the word came, it came to bring truth. It came to force the truth. It didn't even force the truth out of him. He just began to just blurt it out. It just came out. Like, you know how you just talking and then you like, you said something, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I think I said too much. That was what happened with him. And we can all relate to, to Zacchaeus. We'd have been sitting there and, and the word of God came or the man of God came or the woman of God came. And then you just told yourself like, oh, yeah, I did that. Yeah. My supervisor came. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You told on yourself. When the truth come, you can't help. You can't help but to tell it. The truth is going to come out whether you want it to or whether you don't, but it's going to come out. Now, the Bible says that darkness and darkness, Satan has the right to rule. So I don't know about you, but I want my truth to come out in the light. See, I want to tell my own truth. I don't want somebody else trying to tell my truth because they're not going to tell the full truth. They're not going to have all the details. They're not going to have, they don't have the encounter of what happened like I have it. So I'm going to tell my own truth. I'm going to tell on my own self. I'm going to confess it my own self. Why we do that? Because we want to be free. We want to be liberated. We want to be lifted. When you tell the truth, what happens? You feel lighter. You feel lighter. You feel relieved. You feel like, okay, I, now I can breathe. I never felt like this before. When you tell the truth on yourself. And Jesus came and he just began to just tell it all. He said, Lord, behold, half of my goods I give to the poor. So I'm about to bless these poor people that I done took their money. And then he says, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusations, which he know that wasn't no false accusation, you know what you did. You know you filed them incorrect tax returns. You know you claimed somebody else's child that didn't live in your household and gave the mama and the dad a half of the cut. You know what you did. You know you did it. I've done it before. Why, I don't know, but I just did it. Sometimes we just do stuff and don't even know why we do stuff. We just do stuff just because. And see, that be the thing that get us in trouble. You just be out there just doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff. Why are you doing this? I don't know. But he said, he take half of his goods. So going back to verse number two. So if he was rich and you in, in 2021, in order to be considered rich, you had to have at least $2 million. So he's going to take. half of his goods and give to the poor. So that means that he's about to take $1 million and give it to the poor. So he's not about to be rich no more. Because in order to be rich, you got to have a $2 million. And then he says, so he done, he done gave away a million dollars. I receive it, you know. And then it says, and I restore him four folds. So not only that is he giving the million dollars, he's about to restore him four times. Four. Four. 
not one, not two, not three, four. He's about to restore them four times more than what he took. He's about to give four times more than what he stole from the people. Four times more than what he pocketed for himself. He said, I restore him four times. Four. He's about to restore four times. And, and, and what happened was, see, at this point, Jesus had reached out to him and told him that he's about to abide in his house. Zacchaeus changed his ways. And what he did was he went above and beyond to make it right. And God is saying, we got to go above and beyond to make it right. And when he made things right, he finally overcame his past. He, the truth came out. So that means that he, that thing was in his past. And what he did was when he made it right, he came free of his past. Now he's starting to live up to his name. Why is he living up to his name? Because he went above and beyond to make it right. To, in order for him to make it right, he had to give back what he took. But not only did he give back what he took, he's restoring them four times as much as he took from them. So if the government or whoever wants to bless me, my job, my whoever wants to bless me four times, amen, I receive it. I receive my four times, hallelujah. And I found, it says in the Old Testament, you know, it was saying that it demanded that as a repayment for the dishonesty. So there's a demand there's something that we have to do for our dishonesty. We have to pay that back. We have to pay that forward. We have to give back what wasn't ours, what we had unpocketed. We have to restore him. We have to restore it. He said, I restored him fourfold. He gave him back more than what he took from them. See, God is always working in intricate ways. He's always working when we don't see it working see they said they call him a sinner but see they didn't see and they didn't know that okay the truth done came out now you about to be blessed in this man's truth your blessing was in his truth amen and jesus said unto him this day is salvation come to this house he got saved salvation came to him for as much as he also is the son of Abraham, that's how he already knew who Jesus was because he come from the lineage of Abraham. He is now part of the family of God. He was a tax collector that had been sinning, doing things that dishonored God and hurt his neighbors, that hurt his friends, that hurt his family. He was the dishonest one. And we've been, we've been, we've been that dishonest one too before. But do you keep being dishonest? No, because the truth is going to come out. 
So why not just live in truth? Let your truth be your truth. Don't live in dishonesty and then try to cover it up. And then when it when the story comes back around and it comes back up again, now you don't came up with a whole nother a whole nother story. But the story that you told the first time and the second time didn't match, and it didn't even make sense. It didn't even add up. Jesus offered him on that day an unconditional love. Zacchaeus was transformed. We are transformed. That when we when you are transformed, that means that you are not in that old state. You are being transformed. You we are constantly being transformed. We're not staying in that stagnant state. We're not staying in that low place. We're not staying in that old prideful place, that high and mighty place. We are constantly being transformed and God is continually transforming us because he wants us to be better. He's continually transforming us because he wants us to grow. He's continually transforming us for us to be able to go out to the people. We're constantly being transformed. And as a result, he was eager. He repent. He repented. He repented. And he made amends to those that he harmed. And just like Zacchaeus, we've been sinful and we've been greedy. It may not have been, oh, taking somebody money or filing an incorrect tax return, but we've been some, we've been greedy and sinful in some shape, form, or fashion. We all can relate to Zacchaeus somehow and in some way. We can all relate to him. We don't have to climb the tree to see the truth. The truth is before us. We just need to mature to see the truth. You have to mature to see the truth. Our purpose is found in Christ. And we, like Zacchaeus, can be made pure. Just like Zacchaeus, Jesus must come visit our house. He got, he coming to visit our house. We already know who Jesus is. We already know the Lord and our savior. We already know that what we supposed to be doing, but are we doing what we supposed to be doing? And last thing, and in his presence alone, in his love for us, will lead us to do things that we never thought we could do. Even admitting when we're wrong and making things right. We can, we too can have the same experience as Zacchaeus. Amen.